Welcome back to the High Impact Physician Podcast. This is part two of Sandy and David McSwain's conversation. He's the CMIO over at the Medical University of South Carolina. In this episode, David's telling a story about how telehealth saved a little girl's life. It's an awesome story. Highlights the tangible benefits of telehealth. They're also talking about how artificial intelligence is going to improve the physician-patient relationship. David's giving some tips on how to track for the CMIO role, if that's something you're interested in. And they're talking about, from a patient perspective, how to use technology and manage your data as a patient. Really hope you enjoy the episode. Have a great day. So I'm imagining when things are going well, collaboration um, is really powerful, it's energizing, etc. I'm also assuming that until recently, there were a number of physicians that may have been resisting technology, maybe feeling that technology was sort of blocking that provider-patient relationship. So tell us a story about how your work has specifically impacted a provider in a way that might have surprised them. Well, most of my stories come from my experience with the pediatric critical care telemedicine program. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it's such a intense situation, when we do those consults there, they can be pretty, uh, pretty intense stories. the, the doctors and nurses and staff at these rural community hospitals, they're amazing people and they handle a lot of things that come at them. Um, but they, in a lot of cases, were a bit skeptical about um, how that program was going to work. It's not that they didn't agree in concept, but because a lot of the technology that they had been presented with in, uh, previously promised more than it necessarily delivered, or maybe it was difficult to use, particularly in a critical situation, um, they just, they just had a little bit of skepticism that they were really going to be able to apply it in this really critical situation where a kid comes into the emergency department. Um, but we've had so many examples of a physician, a nurse that didn't even know that the program existed when they called us about a, about a critically, critically ill kid in their emergency department. But we designed the technology to be really easy to use in the moment. Um, even in a critical situation. And uh, we would just pop up on the screen and start helping them through this really, this difficult situation. And I've had so many physicians who have called me, sent me emails saying how much they appreciate that they had that resource available and how amazing it was to have that help right there in the moment. And now they have the carts in the room and waiting for us before they even make the call. Um, So it's just been an incredibly impactful service. And I'll tell you one story in particular, you know, we had a, there was a little four-year-old girl, perfectly healthy, um, who was playing in her garage and she slipped on a wet spot and she fell and hit her head. And um, she, she seemed to be fine initially, but then suddenly about an hour later, she suddenly went unconscious. Her parents rushed her to the emergency department. And um, when she got there, um, she was completely unresponsive. Um, they put her in the CT scanner and she had a very large epidural hematoma that was compressing her brain. Um, so they called us and I was on call in the PICU and we called in immediately to that emergency department. Um, they were in the process of trying to, of, of intubating her to protect her airway. And we were right there with them. Me, my PICU nurses, the, the residents, we were right there in that room from 150 miles away. And we were able to recognize because we had that view from the, from across the room that while they were intubating this patient, 
her vitals changed suddenly in a way that indicated that she was she was about to herniate or the brain was going to swell uh, beyond its capacity to swell and that would have left her um, most likely brain dead and we uh, immediately uh, informed them of this situation and our team guided them through the measures to take to acutely reduce the swelling and to get her stabilized and we sent our transport team to pick her up and we worked with our neurosurgeons here at MUSC and had it set up when she arrived so that she didn't even stop in the emergency department. She didn't stop in the pre-op area. She rolled straight from the ambulance into our operating room and our neurosurgeon was there ready to evacuate that blood. And from the moment that um, she hit the door of our hospital to the moment the blood was evacuated was eight minutes. And she is now a perfectly normal, healthy, happy kid. Um, and would have absolutely um, would have died otherwise. And that's the kind of situation that we designed that program for. And the, the physicians and the nurses and everyone involved in that situation, including the family, are just incredible proponents of telehealth now. Uh, and they see the impact that it can have, even in the most critical situations. Gosh, that phrase of being right there in the room from 150 miles away, just, I, you know, you hear words, what is it, word, a thousand words or a picture, I forgot what the metaphor is, but that <laughs> visual, again, I just yeah. um, totally got that. And that story just really brings home to me personally, the power of science and medicine and professionals along with that whole dimension of spirituality and healing and miracles. That's just, mm -hmm. it's just a phenomenal example. Yeah, it was, it's an amazing story and it still chokes me up a little bit today. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. So you've talked a couple times about Sprout. Um, and it was my understanding that the medical university of South Carolina received I thought it was somewhere around a uh, $3.6 million primary award for the Sprout Project. And it's my sense mm -hmm. that it's a five-year project or five-year grant really focused mm -hmm. on the development of telehealth along with other um, developments. Tell us a bit more about that project. Yeah, so uh, MUSC is the primary awarded site uh, along, it's a multi-center uh, it's a multi-center grant. Um, the other sites are uh, Children's Hospital Colorado, uh, Mercy Virtual in St. Louis, the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the American Academy of Pediatrics. And the purpose of that program is to build the tools and the resources uh, and education and dissemination capabilities to support the development of uh, rigorous clinical trials um, and other evaluations of telehealth services um, at a multi-institutional level, because there are a lot of challenges around developing research uh, to demonstrate the value of telehealth services. But that's a really critical component, like we talked about before, in order to drive forward the truly impactful services, the ones that change the way we care for our patients and improve the quality of care. Um, we have to have that data so that we can identify which programs are more than just theoretical benefit. Because until you actually show that through research, 
you're just making your best educated guess. And there's been so many examples of technology that hasn't worked out the way that everyone thought it would, um, that we have to support research into these programs in order to affect policy change and regulatory change and really drive this forward in the best way. Congratulations. This is amazing. It's also amazing to me how much you've completed in that first year. I'm also really struck being in the leadership role with that, of your awareness of how skeptical people have been, especially the providers, your awareness about how important it is to be gathering the data and simultaneously creating such intimate experiences for families and children. Just a big shout out for all you've done in that first year. Thank you. Yeah, that's been one of our major focuses. We're very excited with the way that it's moved forward. Awesome. Um, I'm watching the clock and I, I want to ask just a couple of other questions. Um, as you look out into the future, what do you see as the possibilities um, around how technology can empower the provider-patient relationship? Yeah, you know, it wasn't that long ago that our physicians, our clinicians were all really excited about how technology can improve the care of their patients. Um, and it's not hard, it wasn't hard to envision at that point how it could streamline your work and improve your communication. Um, but the way that technology has progressed over the last decade, um, and the fact that it's often been driven by specific regulations around you know, when you needed to get an electronic health record rolled out, um, has created a sense of almost weariness. There's a disenchantment around technology that you see a lot um, because it doesn't seem to be accomplishing the goals that it, for which it was originally intended. Electronic health records, for example, seem to have been built more to facilitate billing and documentation and compliance than to really uh, help with patient care. And that's changing. That's starting to change. And that's a really exciting development. You know, right now, the technology seems to come between the doctor and the patient. And that's frustrating to both uh, sides of that equation. How technology needs to evolve going forward, and this includes the EHR and other forms of technology, um, is to the more effective technology is, the more it disappears. And that doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that it's not apparent. Uh, it's not right there in front of your face. It's not between you and the patient. So when you look at things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, natural language processing, and predictive modeling, the way that those things can be integrated in with the electronic health record, with telehealth, with other forms of technology, um, to take the technology out from between the provider and the patient. That's how you're really going to see technology contribute to a reduction in burnout, to improve the efficiency of the care that's provided, to improve the experience of the patient and the provider. And what we need to focus on is how do you generate that excitement again? You know, how do you overcome that sense of disenchantment and get our clinicians to um, to eagerly engage with the new technologies that are coming out. Well, I'm pretty sure having leaders like you in place is going to be, uh, is already starting to shift that energy. And as I'm listening to you, I'm really struck by how, I'm really struck by the possibility of how this global pandemic could actually accelerate the transformation of healthcare. And what I mean by that is, as you were describing, 
this opportunity for technology to almost disappear, you're really helping me to imagine a future where technology can literally help us reconfigure the healthcare experience so that our physicians can be reconnected to the meaningful work, can feel that natural connection to who they are and what they're called to do, and really impact a more positive physician and patient experience. And to consider how this might have all been triggered by something that, um, that we never saw coming. Pretty amazing to yeah, think about. It is. Well, you know, necessity is the mother of invention and, and you never, yeah, yeah, you never, uh, you should never fail to take advantage of a good crisis. You know, that's, uh, uh, that's a mutilation of something that I think Winston Churchill said, but, uh, the, you know, this pandemic is absolutely going to transform our healthcare system in, in some way. The question is at this point, how, uh, you know, it's clearly changed the way we practice medicine in the past, uh, three to four weeks, and it's done so at an incredible pace. The question that that is left to answer is, what do we do when this is passed? Which of those uh, innovations, which of those changes to the way we practice medicine are genuinely for the benefit of all of our patients and our providers and need to be kept in place versus which should be rolled back and kind of kept in reserve for the next pandemic? And I think that's a question that we all have to to answer collaboratively, we have to engage leaders from across the organization. And I know, you know, this um, that your show focuses on leaders well outside of the technology space. And so, my message to them is, you know, you're just as important as me in how technology moves forward from here, because it's the leadership of the people outside of the healthcare technology space that is going to determine how this evolves in the future. And how this pandemic has, uh, what this pandemic has kind of forced upon us is an alignment by necessity of leadership from across the organization to move something forward in lockstep with each other. And the speed with which you're able to do that and the efficiency with which you're able to do that when you really have engagement and alignment across the organization is just, it's just amazing to behold. I'm so I'm so um, putting my attention on some key words. You've been talking about integration, alignment, collaboration. You've really breathed life into them in a way that um, isn't just words on a page. It's so good. So so um, a couple of just final questions here, and actually pretty big ones. But you talked about this opportunity for physicians to um, to think about how do we use technology moving forward. What advice do you have for physicians who are interested in technology or maybe even some kind of CMIO role? Yeah. So, you know, the most important thing is to focus on what you're passionate about. Learn about what you're passionate about. Figure that out with, you know, kind of within yourself and then understand how technology can enhance your approach to that passion. Right. You know, you have to understand what technology is available to to you already. To, to chase after that passion. What tools do you already have? Because I'll tell you one thing for sure. If there's a tool that's already available and you don't, you don't really know about it or you haven't engaged with it, that the IT people, your IT counterparts that are supporting that tool would be more than happy to have you as a super user. And when you become a super user and you become engaged with that technology and with the IT people in your institution, that's how you grow the relationships and, and develop the expertise. So you get to know 
your IT people. Because the other thing to realize, just about any person who is in healthcare IT could probably make a lot more money working in some other area of IT. So by definition, people who are in healthcare IT, they uh, have a passion for what they're doing. They're doing it for the right reasons. And those are the people that you want to align with. And so you, you develop those relationships, you help each other along, and that's how you can grow into a role um, as a leader in help IT. Well, and thank you for raising that point too, that this also, a big part of it is allowing people to take a big pause and consider what do you want to learn? I think in an era where physicians have heard a lot about execution, productivity, perfectionism, RVUs, I love your way of reframing that to say pause and allow yourself to really be curious. What is it that you want to learn and know that that's a really big part of it? Yeah, I think self-reflection is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're going to make me smile there. How about um, in terms of advice you have for, for families and children and patients regarding their role and the future of managing their health, what tips do you have? Well, the prevailing winds of healthcare technology are shifting increasingly toward patient ownership of their data, a patient-driven approach, patient-reported outcomes. So for patients and for their families, you should be ready to embrace that. You know, Be a collaborator in your care and be a collaborator in the care of your family understand what technology is available on your mobile device, at your uh, doctor's office, you know, through your healthcare institution, and understand how your data can be used. Because what's going to be happening, particularly over the next year or two, is that patients are going to be increasingly responsible for how their data is handled um, and are going to be asked increasingly to participate in how their care is managed. And so patients need to be Um, an advocate for the adoption of some of these promising forms of technology and a partner in pushing that forward. I I so want to underline that. I just had a flashback to when Zachary, who's now 28, my oldest son was five or six, and he has severe cerebral palsy, a seizure disorder, and we were at a well check. I think I'm going to say he was like five or six years old. And I can remember as a parent, I was still in that place of wanting technical solutions. I wanted the doctor to have the answers. And I specifically remember asking, so what do we expect? Like, what's this next couple of years going to be like? And I remember his pediatrician saying, well, what's most important? And I had not even thought Mm -hmm. about that, but we kind of talked through it together. And I wanted him to join a, a local recreation program, join a skate and create. And what came out of that conversation literally altered the trajectory of our life. So I so want to underline your invitation about the patient um, uh, collaboration with the providers. I think that's where the magic is. Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of vitality, a lot of intimacy um, comes from that. So thank you. Yeah. You know, health IT is not really about the technology. It's about that convergence between the technology and the people. And so you can, uh, the only way to really effectively move technology forward is to understand both parts. That's so good. For those of us that are just getting warmed up around the whole technology thing, I love that reframe. (laughs) (laughs) Makes it less intimidating, right? (laughs) Awesome. So in closing, you've just had some incredible life experiences, some incredible ways of literally beginning to help create the future of healthcare. What closing thoughts would you like to share with our listeners? Yeah, well, You know, 
in a lot of ways, technology is what you make it. And, and the most effective technology is personalized technology. Um, you know, you look at uh, the most complicated piece of technology that just about anyone interacts with on a day-to-day basis is their phone. And, but they don't regard it as an intrusive piece of technology. And the reason is that is because you can personalize your phone. You put the apps on that you want. You arrange them in the way that you want. You, you change the settings, right? It's not that you designed the phone, but the technology was designed in a way to facilitate you making that phone your own. And it, that's the way we should approach technology in general. You know, the biggest key to effective adoption is the engagement in uh, education and training about what the technology is and what that technology can do. And so you need to understand how to use it and how to personalize it and how to make it work best for your life and for your job. Okay, you are totally boosting my confidence in how to work with technology even more. So as my team continues to push media's technology, I'm going to begin by just saying yes, and then take the next <laughs> step. <laughs> That's so good. So David, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, well, um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So just search for David McSwain. Um, it's M-C-S-W-A-I-N. And uh, if you if you'll if you look closely, you'll notice that my profile pic is uh, actually from my wedding. I'm, I'm in a tux. So that's how you <laughs> confirm that it's the, the right David McSwain. Um, and I'm also, I'm also on Twitter at DMcSwainMD. Um, not quite as active on Twitter, but uh, I, I engage from time to time. So I'd, I'd love to hear from people. And how can people learn a bit more about Sprout? You've just got some incredible research going on there. If people want to learn more, where could they find out about that? So uh, Sprout has a webpage at the American Academy of Pediatrics site. If you type in AAP Sprout, it should take you to that page. Uh, we've got some of our resources that are uh, that are posted there, others that are coming soon. Since the program has been in existence for almost exactly a year, um, we're, uh, we're still developing a lot of the content. But you can also follow uh, Sprout on LinkedIn um, at Sprout, if you type in Sprout Telehealth. Uh, we have a, a LinkedIn page there as well. That's so good. Well, thank you for your time today. I love the mantra about do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. Just a great mantra in life. And um, just excited to continue tracking you in these upcoming years with Sprouts as you are building tools and resources to really impact the lives of physicians, families, and children. Um, so thanks for all you do and thanks for your time today. Well, thank you very much, Sandy. I enjoyed it. 